We're starting this look at Advent, and it's really not a Christmas time thing. This is something that we probably could do all throughout the year to understand that we need to prepare our heart, uh, that Jesus wants to come and be with us. That's all that Advent means. It's, it's a, it is an attitude of expectation, an attitude of preparation. It is an attitude of looking uh, for the coming of Christ. And, and how many know, I think many of us, we need Christ to come more than just Christmas. We need him to be born in us uh, throughout the year in a new way over and over, a refreshing, a rebirth, which is why Jesus said we must be born again. There's something about that, that, uh, that regeneration um, that we need to constantly be going through because this world, you know what, uh, it is constantly beating us down. And so we need to experience that. And um, so we come to look at this through the story of the birth of Jesus. Today we're going to start with, with this question, what are you waiting for? Because that is a key question. When we begin to, to ask why we do what we do, it is usually based on something that we are wanting something that we're looking for, that we're yearning for. Um, and, and so this is a question, what are you waiting for? Um, not in the sense, many times we use that phrase in a sense of get to doing something, but I'm asking you, in your heart, what are you waiting for? What are you looking for? What are you yearning for? What is the desire of your heart that you want to see in your life? And especially at this season, what are you waiting? Are you waiting for the gifts under the tree? Are you waiting for the, the music to start playing? Are you waiting for the lights to begin to show up at night? Are you waiting for that good feeling to come? Those are all good things, but is that what drives us? What is the deep thing that we are waiting for? And I think we need to ask ourselves that because many times it gets covered over by what we think we're waiting for. See, we say a lot of things, and yet in actuality, our true heart, kind of without us knowing, is guiding us in a different direction. Because many times what we say we're waiting for is really not what we're waiting for. So we want to look at the story that we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. 
And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband only seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, but worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God. And to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So we have this story of Simeon and Anna and the baby Jesus. And the thing that we see about Simeon and Anna, the thing that was special about them is that they were waiting for something. And they weren't just waiting for it, but they were waiting with a longing in their heart. and In other words, they were waiting for what God would do. They had given their life to, 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 to seeking God, and they didn't even want to die. God, I don't want to die until I see what you have for us. And they were waiting for it, and they were longing for it. In some translations, it says they yearned for it. And this is the question of Christmas. What are we waiting for? What are we longing for? What are we yearning for? What is the motivation of our life? And more than that is why are we doing what we're doing? See, here's the key thing. What we are truly waiting for will typically determine our lifestyle. See, it's not what we say, but it's usually the direction of our life that gives an indication of what really is the core longing for within our heart. Because whatever we are truly yearning for, it will always direct our actions, our attitudes, our lifestyle. It's like a little rudder in the boat. You don't see it. And sometimes you don't know which direction it's pointing, but I can tell you which direction the rudder is pointing by with the direction the boat is going. And you see, that's the way with our life. I don't know what you really long for, what your desires are, but I can have a good idea by the direction that we're heading, by the choices we make. And we see Simeon and Anna that they spent their time worshiping God, seeking God, coming into the house of God, spending time with the people of God. Why? Because they were longing to see God do something. Their yearning was to see the revelation of God. In both cases, they wanted to see the Christ. They had been waiting for it. All of Israel had been waiting for it. And when we read the scripture, it says that Israel waited for it, but then why was not more people in Israel, the Pharisees, the priests, why did they not recognize Jesus if they were really waiting 
for God to show up because that's what they said they were waiting for. And yet, their true longing was for something else. You see, even the priests, even the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leaders of the Jewish people, they went through the motions, but you know what they were really longing for? They were longing for people to, to look at them. They were longing for acceptance from others. They were longing for, for accomplishment. You know, so even when they gave the sacrifices, even when they worked in the temple, they were not longing to see God. They were, they were longing for what they could get out of it, for prestige, for, for what other people could say about them. And even the common people, we see this later that, that even though the common people at first, you know, man, they really lifted up Jesus. But what were they really waiting for? They loved what Jesus did. It said that they, they kept coming back to him even when he fed the 5,000. It was awesome, but from that point on, what did they get? Ooh, give us more bread. Give us more bread. You see, even though they were, they were following Jesus, lifting him up and praising him, they weren't really seeking Jesus. They liked the good feeling that he gave them. They liked that he filled his stomach. They were waiting for things that were subtly different than what they thought they were waiting for. To where, when things went the wrong way, and Jesus started going towards the cross, all of a sudden the people didn't want that. Wait a second, this is not what... And they begin to leave him. So what had they really been waiting for? And I think we're the same way. We come to church, we go through the motions, because we like the feeling, we like the, the... But when things go wrong... Or when other things come up, all of a sudden, we don't have time for this. You know, we're more waiting for that new job. That becomes way more exciting than us, than what God has. We're, we're waiting for a new relationship. We're waiting for, for things to happen at home. And you can see by the direction because that becomes way more important. Even though we talk a good talk still the whole way, oh, Jesus, Jesus, and, you know, and, and People even come to me and say things, and I'm like, yeah, you're saying this to me, but I know I'm not going to see you do things that really follow that up. So what are we really waiting for? And it's not to condemn us. I think it's to wake us up. Gee, God is not trying to show us that you're waiting for the wrong thing and put us down for it. What he's trying to say is wake up to this, this false waiting that is deceiving you. It is not that God is trying to punish us. It's God loves us enough. He wants to wake us up from something that is leading us the wrong direction. It is the love of God. It's the kindness of God that he convicts us. In fact, he calls us, and we see this, this uh, uh, pattern throughout even the prophecies of Jesus uh, that God calls us to long for him not for the things of this world. And that when we will long for him, when we will truly wait for him, we receive the revelation. You see, Simeon and Anna, because they were waiting for him, they got to see the revelation of God. Now, we know that they only saw him as a baby. They didn't even get to see him accomplish everything, but they knew him, and that was enough. 
You see, they didn't just want what Jesus could give them. They just wanted to see Jesus. See, many times we want Jesus, but we want what he can give us. Are we satisfied just to say, I just want to see my Lord? Thank you, God, for you have revealed to me Jesus. Second Timothy, Paul shows the same longing as Simeon and Anna. He says this. He says, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But look at this. And not only to me, but to those also who have loved his appearing. In other words, there's a reward for those who are not just living this life and going through the but to anyone who is longing for the appearing of Christ. Anyone that that says, I'm just waiting for you, Jesus. This life is hard, but I just want you. He says there's a reward for those. We see in Peter, Peter himself also says this. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Peter says there's a lot of things that you can set your hope on, but there's only one thing that will not disappoint you, and that is the revelation of Jesus. You need to set your hope upon Jesus. If you're going to wait for anything, wait for Jesus. If you're going to long for anything, long for Jesus. Because we can long for all those other things, and we might experience them, but they will never fulfill what we thought they would. That job will not be all that you think it is. The money it brings will not do all that you think it'll do. That relationship is not what's going to give you satisfaction in your heart. That accomplishment, even that feeling, man, I just want to feel something. It's not going to last because feelings don't last. It's only Jesus that will not disappoint See, here's another thing. Like I said, many of us, we long to serve God. We long to to, to worship God, which is a good thing, but that becomes even a false longing. You know, we love the celebration at Easter and Christmas and those times, and, 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 and we long that, but is it really just an emotional facade? Is it just a superficial religion? Religion will not fulfill your longings. A great example of that is Martin Luther. And we know Martin Luther is one of the great uh, uh, fathers of the faith that stood up against uh, the Catholic Church at a time where it had uh, uh, become corrupt. And he had the courage to stand up against it and, and begin to uh, seek the word, but it was not always like that. In fact, Martin Luther was a regular person, and um, uh, one day when he was young, was out and was nearly killed by lightning. In fact, it was such a close thing that he almost was struck by that lightning that he made a vow to God to serve him. And to his parents' uh, chagrin, he followed through with that, and they're like, oh, great. And he went into the, the ministry and became a priest. 
But you know what? That did not satisfy. In fact, when we read the biographies of Martin Luther, what he even expresses that, that even as he began to follow God, there was just an unease within him. He found no peace as a priest, as he ministered to others. In, in fact, there was something empty within him. He felt uh, disconnected from God. He went through all the motions. He did all the good works. He did all the absolutions, did all the confessions. And he was such, so good at it that his, his mentor, uh, his uh, leader, uh, Staupitz, appointed him to the university to go and study and to teach the Bible. And yet Martin Luther felt a hypocrite because he was dead. And it was not, even though he longed for this, it was not religion, it was not the following of Jesus that did anything for him. And here is the words from his own writings. Martin Luther tells us this. He says, I greatly long to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans. And nothing stood in the way but that one expression, the justice of God. Because I took it to mean that justice, whereby God is just and he deals justly by punishing the unjust. But here's the thing. My situation was that although an impeccable monk I stood before God as a sinner troubled in conscience because he deserved that justice. I had no confidence that my merit would assuage him. Therefore, I did not love a just and angry God, but rather hated and murmured against him. And yet I clung to the dear Paul, to the Paul, and had a great yearning to know what he meant. And so night and day I pondered over it until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by faith. And then I grasped that the justice of God is not in punishment, but it is the righteousness by which the grace and sheer mercy of God justifies us in his righteousness through faith. And thereupon, that revelation, I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through the open doors into paradise. You see, it was not until Martin Luther stopped longing for the superficial and just said, God, I need you. I need you to show me what this word means. I need you to become real to me rather than just words on a page. And as he began to seek it and long for Jesus himself and to yearn for him, then he received the revelation of the grace of God. You see, when we begin to yearn for God, it's only then that we receive revelation and we begin to see God. We begin to come into a communion with God that we never had before. 
That's what God desires. So what is it about Jesus that we should yearn for? What was it about Jesus that Simeon and Anna were really waiting for? Well, if we read the text again, if you remember what it said, it says that they were waiting for the consolation of Israel. And it says Anna was looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And I don't think it was a uh, coincidence that Luke reveals this longing in their heart, this waiting for consolation and redemption. Because like everything in Jesus' life, God does nothing by accident. And he shows us his greatness through his fulfilling of scriptures. Because if we will look back in Isaiah chapter 52, and we know that Isaiah is a great picture of the coming of the Lord. And so a lot of our readings through this Advent time is going to be in Isaiah because Isaiah was given this, this picture of the coming of the Lord. But in Isaiah 52, verse 9, this is what it says, Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. So as Isaiah looked forward through the years to this revelation, this prophetic view that God gave him, he saw two things. He sees that God is bringing comfort or consolation and redemption. And when we see Simeon, it says that they were waiting for the comfort and the redemption of Christ. So let's look at it. What does that mean? What, what should we be, if we are longing for the comfort and redemption that Christ gives us, what is that? Well, first of all, if we look at consolation, that they longed to see the consolation of Israel. Um, this word consolation means the comfort. It has a, a meaning within healing, uh, in fact, if we look again in Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You see, comfort has this picture that God is going to come and make it right. See, only Jesus can make it right. We long for comfort in so many other things, but those things of this world, they cannot comfort us for the things we've experienced. They cannot heal our broken hearts. They cannot wipe away the pain that we have experienced in life. And so we long for someone who can give us that, and it is only Jesus. In Isaiah 49, verse 13, it says this, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people, and he will have compassion on his afflicted. You see, this is the joy that if we long for Jesus, there is comfort to be had. 
If you will long for Jesus and get your heart off of those other things, you can find a comfort that you will never find in money or material or, or achievements or relationships or anything else. We need to long for the comfort that only God can give. As we prepare for Christmas, I think we need to ask ourselves, are we longing for the comfort that God can give? Are we preparing ourselves by changing our desires about what this season really means? God wants to comfort us. God wants to heal those things in our life that are hurting. He knows our hurts. He knows our baggage. He knows the things that we carry that no one else knows. And he has brought hope, the hope of comfort the hope of consolation. And it's not just for Israel. We might say that, you know, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a Jew. And Simeon said he was looking for the consolation of Israel. But if you notice, it said that, that that consolation of Israel was a light in the darkness for the Gentiles. You see, the consolation of Israel is not just for the Jewish people, but it is for the Gentiles. It is for all of us. Jew and Gentile alike, the consolation, the comfort of God is here for us if we're longing for it, if we're waiting for it, if we are yearning for it. Well, then it also says that he's looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. What's the difference between the redemption and the consolation? Because if the consolation is the forgiveness of sins, the healing of our hurts, how is redemption different from that? It's very similar but there is a difference, and especially the way they use this word uh, in this context. Uh, we see that um, in Luke chapter 1, the gospel writer tells us this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. For as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. So you see, Luke himself tells us this, this idea of redemption is within this context the idea of salvation through a rescue of those that come against us. So it's different in the fact that comfort and consolation is a healing of the things that have broken us and redemption is a victory against those that would come against us. He says that he... he um, uh, describes the redemption as God has raised up a horn for us. The picture is the horn of a great bull who comes to defend us. Um, it is the horn of power. This redemption is not simply a buying back uh, of us, but it is a coming and defending us and delivering us from those that would hold us captive. So not only does God want to bring comfort but the redemption that God wants to show us is the power of his salvation 
Simeon and Anna was looking not only for healing, but for the power to find victory. And God wants to give us both. Because not only are we broken from what has gone on in the past, but how many know that we are facing the fear of what the future has to hold? And God wants to cover both. That if we will wait for God, he will rise up in power for us. It says that God is like uh, one who looks to and fro across the world, just waiting to find someone who is longing for him so that he can show himself mighty on behalf of that person. That's our God. He wants to show himself for you. Whatever you are facing, God wants to come in and be the power to push you through that. And so Simeon and Anna were waiting for the consolation, the healing from the past, and they were waiting to see the redemption, the victory of the future. And here's the thing. Both are found in Jesus. Jesus is our comfort, but Jesus is also the power that defeats every enemy. And when we begin to long for Jesus, what a great revelation we can receive. We can find healing for our brokenness, but we can find power to stand up and move forward. It is when we long for Jesus, we find the true source of life. You see, within that, that is where hope is. That is the hope that does not let us down. Because within that hope, there is healing, but there is power. There is a comfort and there is a confidence that nothing in this world can give us. So I want to ask us, as we prepare for this season, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And will that object that you are yearning for, what's it going to give you? Will it give you the comfort that you think you want? Will it give you the power to be what you want to be? I don't think any of this thing in this world will do that. Not even the Christmas season, not the celebrations, not the emotions of loving God, not religion. Like Martin Luther showed us, it is only when we long for God, simply the presence of God, just to see our Christ now, Simeon and Anna died without ever seeing the accomplishment. But you know what? They received the accomplishment. And in the meantime, they saw the promise of God. I'm going to tell you, you may not see the solving of all your problems. But if you long for God, he will give you the assurance and the hope because he will reveal to you the power of his son, Jesus, who will do it. You can see the Christ if you will long for him, if you are waiting for him, if he will become the focus of this next month, God, I just want to be 